Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of With Brothers Grimdark. I'm Alan, and my co-host, Henry... Clickety, clackety, let's get wackety. ...is also here. Right, this week's topic, Fulgrim. What did he do? Who was this man? And why are we mentioning him? Uh, chiefly because he's the ultimate boy of boys. He is. In a very he... literal sense. <laughs> <laughs> he is the, uh, the king of the Primarchs. Other than Horus. He is our favourite of the Primarchs, other than Horus. He is our favourite Primarch, other than Horus. Or maybe he is the favourite Primarch, I'm not sure. Because Horus always has the edge because he's genetically superior to any other Primarch. Yeah. Other than Vulcan, who's an immortal. Somehow. Let's let's skim over that. <laughs> let's just leave that for a minute. Let's skim sure over the whole that. immortal thing for now. Like, it's... Let's skip over that. Um, so Horace, Horace was genetically superior. He had everything going for him, right? He's the chosen of the emperor. Blah 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 blah. blah, blah. Uh, we've all heard this story. Yep. But Fulgrim, Fulgrim is the least sung about guy that actually did something. Yeah. As in, in terms of how much he did to how little he is sung about, it's just way off. It's way off. All the other primarchs, there's. You know, this and that and this and, you know, everyone sort of champions Angron, Perturabo, Lorgar. But who was the boy? Arguably the third most important space marine of all time. And I'm including the Emperor. You, wait, hang on. You're including the Emperor as a space marine? I would not. Yep. Okay, Emperor's not a space marine for a start. It, well, okay, he's he's not a space marine. He's not a space marine. There's Horace. But, yeah. There's Bobby G, who's yeah. important for what he's doing nowadays. Fulgrim is more important than Bobby G. Who okay. is Fulgrim? Who is Fulgrim? He's a chaos primarch. We'll, sorry, we'll get back to that claim later. I'm interested. He was anyway, the so leader yeah. of the Emperor's children. Mm. What are the Emperor's children? Who are they? Why are they touted about? Alan's right. going to fill you in and tell you <laughs> about I'll the Emperor's Children. explain the Emperor's Children. Okay, the Emperor's Children, they are uh, a faction that was... Well, they were a bunch of people who were basically obsessed with perfection. They did. They could always do better and better, and they'd be constantly improving, so they absolutely loved, like, you know, training and uh, especially sort of, uh, sword fights, that kind of thing. And later on, also sword fights. No. Um... Hi-o! <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's, it's that striving for perfectionism which is what defined them early on which then slowly became excess in that they found through chaos ways of becoming even more perfect and then they strove to become more perfect in every other way that they could it was an obsession yeah which is interesting and they scrutinized themselves to the nth degree so every traitor legion even sorry legion of the space marines not just traitor legions every legion of the space marines Back in the old heresy days, they all had traits, kind of stemming from their Primarch. And it's really cool because a lot of the legions, there's a lot of difference between the Primarch relationship with their soldiers. Because some Primarchs really were kind of aloof mm. and not really too connected to their to their legions. Typically, Some. the traitor ones were a lot more isolated. Some, like Angron, flat out murdered most of... Well, murdered a bunch of them when he first met them. 
Yeah, that's because Angron is very angry. <laughs> yeah, very ticked off. He's not. Un- he's not happy with the current state of affairs. He's not happy with that. And typically, the loyalist legions, if you like, were a bit more happy, clappy friends with the family. Yeah, uh, and they were they were brothers with their space marines, you know, and they'd have tickle fights and pillow fights and occasionally make out. Just happened that way. Just yeah. saying. And Reboot was, of course, the most family man of family men. He used to write songs with his space marines. Yeah, he, he was the most leaders of all leadmen. All his space yeah. marines loved him. As did all of even his. Even more uh, than Horace. Even more than the most successful man in the galaxy. <laughs> For fuck's sake. For fuck's sake. Get that ultramarine dick out of your mouth. We are a couple of minutes in and already complaining about Reboot Gellerman. Good to see which no. form. And it's very important. It's and we'll come back to that. We'll circle back to that. Yeah. So the Emperor's children are martial prowess laddos, but only, you know, in a separate way to the World Eaters. So World Eaters were martial prowess, yes, and similar to the Ultramarines, similar to the Sons of Horus, but Sons of Horus and Ultramarines, it was more about tactics. World Bearers were more about brute violence and achieving your you goal. World Eaters. Who did I say? Word bearers. Yeah, world eaters. We're more about just violence and achieving the goal. And then chapters were all sort of grey and mysterious around that. But the Emperor's children were all about perfection. Not about sheer violence, not about sheer victory, but perfection. And in a way, they're right. They're right. Because the better you are at fighting, the better all your soldiers are at fighting. You know, among space marines... They were meant to be the better fighters. Yeah, that was, that was their goal. That's what they strove for. It did lead to them being quite vain and a little bit arrogant because, you know, they were better. See, but they took that lead from Fulgrim, who was the Primarch of the Empress Children, who was a very beautiful man. Pretty much it was him and Sanguinus competing for who was the prettiest boy in... Who the was more world. androgynous? <laughs> <laughs> who would do so best if- on those long nights? Away from if we, if we, if we're delving more into Fulgrim, now that we've explored his chapters, so they're they're all about perfecting themselves and scrutinizing themselves, yeah, to the point of obsession, all about martial prowess. Who was Fulgrim? Where is he from? Why is he called Fulgrim? We don't know. We okay, Fulgrim, don't know though, that. He's interesting in that. Uh, well, with the Primarchs, there's the loyal Primarchs and the traitor Primarchs, and the loyal Primarchs tend to have the better backstories of, oh, they landed here, they became a leader, they led their world to great things. Whereas the Chaos Ones tend to have the shittier backstories, such as um, Mortarian landing on a death world, where... Um, when when the you local... say shittier, you mean, like, grittier, not shittier. I, well... As in, quali- quality of writing is not what we're talking about here, we're talking about... Oh, yeah. The actual storyline. Yeah, they're usually darker and more depressing. So Mortarian, who's on a death planet where the local people were dying very quickly, very young, and also had this like tyrannical figure ruling over them and causing problems. Angron quite literally had a torture device put in his brain and made to fight in gladiatorial pits. Which the Emperor can't fix. Which the Emperor can't fix. He looked at him and went, you know what, that's old tech. I don't know what that is. The most brilliant man to have ever lived. Jesus Christ on roller skates in power armor. Which, okay, this can't really fix primitive alien, alien technology. Okay, uh, the theme which we'll cover throughout this entire thing is that um, G-Dubs sets up situations whereby they can do interesting things with the Chaos Primarchs, 
and then just go, ah, fuck it. For example, think... with that Angron thing. Angron has this torture device in his brain that gets found by the Emperor and goes to the Emperor to have it taken out. This torture device basically makes him constantly angry and constantly suffering. And the Emperor just goes, I can't fix that. Why? Because the writer couldn't be asked. If they no, had because, just... Because it would fix Angron. Yeah. They, they could never phrase the question of, can the Emperor fix it or not? Because they knew that if the Emperor did fix it, it would fix Angron. I don't know. They can do that. All they have to do is, rather than have it so they went to Angron and the Emperor couldn't fix it, the Emperor goes to Angron to fix it, but Angron, being this angry, broken man, says no, because it's a part of him. He sees this, like, rage and tortured thing as an aspect of himself. That is way more interesting and leads to way better events down the line because they go forward to chaos through their own reasons rather than shit reasons. I mean, yeah, one thing that is definitely true for all Chaos Primarchs is almost all of them have really badly written transitions to Chaos. Some of them used to have good ones, as we covered with Mortarion. He used to have a good one. Then it became terrible and shit. Yeah. Uh, Because people rewrite it, and unfortunately there is no kind of... There is no editor. There's no commander-in-chief of the Black Library. There is no one commanding presence, it seems... Other yeah. than your guys have to be in power armor, they can be anything. Well, C.S. Gotto is a writer, and he's a man where I think it was Lehman Russ's changed into land raiders into Lehman Russ's over the course of um, over the course of one page. Uh, <laughs> it's also he's the sort of person whereby L- a torturing Eldar turns up a lot, and b the Eldar steal Imperium tanks to use them because they're better, whereas the Eldar specifically don't use Imperium tanks because they don't suit their style of warfare. Yeah. Anyway. They're also worse in the alien. Uh, alien technology is better and they're vain and they don't want to submit to other people being more effective. Fulgrim. He's interesting in that he's one of the few traitor Primarchs which actually has a good backstory. As in, like, um, it was good for him and good for the people around him. In that he basically landed on a world called Chemos, which will become, or Chemos, which will become relevant in that the Emperor's children now do a lot of drugs. They are yeah. quite, quite the party fan. That's the correlation! <laughs> Jesus Christ, we saw this. Yeah. But basically, um, on this planet, uh, it was running out of resources. People weren't producing enough food for their own needs. Um, it, it was struggling. and There was different factions, etc. And recreation, art and leisure, they couldn't be done because there wasn't time. People were, you know, they had to be overworked. And so what Fulgrim did, like all the other Chaos Primers, they'd, oh, they'd lead a war, they'd lead this uprising of the uh, the workers, and they'd change things. No, he just, he rose to power in, like, his section of the planet and made changes to improve efficiency. And dramatically so. He just improved the designs and improved everyone's quality of life across the world and then slowly brought them up so they could start trading with nearby star systems for other stuff and made it to this, like, fantastic trade port with brilliant art and culture. It's like, wow. Well done. You have a traitor Primarch's backstory whereby he just fixed the world around him and was generally awesome. Fantastic shit. It's really cool because it actually ties in with Fulgrim. And I think this this is another thing, you know, we're sort of branching out and striking wild at Black Library here. Um, But just in occasions, the better parts of the Chaos Primarch lore is when they're a sympathetic character. 
when you just go, no, they're, they're evil, they just want to be evil, or they were betrayed, and then the chaos god whisper, 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 and they're now chaos. Oh, what? The prevalent theme with the Primarchs is chaos whispered to them so they fell, rather than like, they fell their own flaws. Or fucking Erebus turns up and magic some yeah. dickery. It's like, fuck off. Who wants Erebus to be this massive, important character when you have Primarchs? Like, some people just don't seem to get that the Primarchs should be so above and beyond anything else. And I think there was one backstory of one Primarch. can't remember which one it was. I want to say Rogel... Where there was one person who wrote an iteration of his um, his legacy, how he came about... And quite literally on his planet, they just recognized the fact that he was abnormal. He was incredibly smart and incredibly physically capable. It sounds um, a lot like um, Perturbo, Perturabo. Perturabo. That chap. He basically landed on his planet and um, he didn't really have lofty goals. He was just recognized to be above and beyond other people and... One leader just took him in and was like, okay, can you like design shit for me? He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll build you the greatest weapons on this planet. And he was the greatest warrior, and he just was. Yeah, and th that's just awesome. That's what it should be, as opposed to, you know, some of these Primarchs are just instantly, I want everyone to be amazing. It's like, oh, fuck off, come on. You know, make them human. Mm. Make them relatable. As soon as you make them perfect, they're so uninteresting. And this is what is awesome about Fulgrim. So yeah. he creates the perfect planet, but that makes him a sympathetic character because then he falls to chaos. And the transition from uplifting people, uplifting society, um, it's also you know, care, subtly, caring. It's subtly yeah. selfish as well. Because as much as it does fix everything, it does then provide him with this art and stuff he wanted. Now, he wasn't that selfish then, but it is set up to show that this is a weakness of his, which could be exploited later. Exactly, and it, it sort of shows that he does have that weakness towards indulgence, mm. which is great, you know, because art and culture, you know, it's not a bad thing, but it's just really interesting that he, you know, brings that about, whereas other people bring architecture and warfare, whereas Fulcrum brings the arts. Yeah. You know, and, and decadence, in a way. Capitalism. While making everyone's Capitalism. <laughs> so then he meets the Emperor. And he's basically in awe of the Emperor. Like, he wasn't one of the people who's like, no, I don't want to do this. He's like, holy shit, this is awesome. Like, just... Basically, he looked up to the Emperor massively. He's like, okay, like, they've... <coughs> the Emperor's had this fantastic thing of honour they've shown off, and essentially, like, perfectionism, that kind of thing. Or a more perfect culture. And he's like, well, I... he wants to strive to become that. He wants to strive to make the galaxy more like that. So naturally, he'll go around and crush the galaxy until it is perfect. Yeah, again, it, it, it's cool. Yeah. And it's well, it's individual. I like the fact that the primates have different stories going on. Like, you know, it, it's good that they don't all have the same reaction to the Emperor. Um, but I like it how Fulgrim is just sensible, pragmatic. Yeah. Like, and I think prag pragmatism is another thing that is just really awesome when you read fluff, you know, in 40k, when you have like a general and they're just pragmatic. Surprisingly you know, it, rare. It's surprisingly rare, and it's so awesome when it happens. You know, when they just say, like, assaulting this fortress is just ridiculously stupid. Yeah. Or, you know, we shouldn't do this. We should let these people die 
so that we save our own munitions, you know, to protect the planet, you know, deal. Um, you know, like, because there's a few Primarchs which just try and take a swing at the Emperor, which is cool. I really like that. It does work for some of them. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, primarily with um, Space Wolf Chap. What's his name? Lehman Russ? Lehman Russ. Yeah. It works for him because he challenged him to a drinking contest. That's perfect. And then uh, a brawl. <laughs> hey, yeah. <laughs> I'll have you. Yeah, touch my wife. <laughs> I'll have you. Right. Yeah. And naturally, the Emperor has all of them. Yeah. So what did Fulgrim do next? What did he, he do He bumped into Ferris Manus, the leader of the Iron Hands, the Primarch of the Iron Hands, where they basically bumped into each other, but they also being quite good at, you know, alchemy and science and that kind of shit, got into a bit of a contest. <laughs> Dick swanging, if you will. Where basically Fulgrim declared that he could uh, come to forge the most perfect weapon ever created, uh, at which point... Ferris Man's like, well, no, I'll, I will forge the most perfect weapon ever created. And the challenge happens. And they both go off and spend quite a few weeks forging the perfect weapon. Fulgrim made an exquisite warhammer, and Ferris Man's made a wonderful sword. And they turned up, both weapons were unmatched, and they just swapped weapons as a gift to each other. And thus they became friends. With a bit of rivalry, but, you know, friends nonetheless. Which actually, again, really cool, because... So few Primarchs have friendship with each other. Mm. Uh, it's mostly rivalries, which is good. Um, but normally, the, I don't know, there's there's elements where they just have rivalries and they just yell at each other. It's usually rivalries no with their friends. It's just in a moment like, yeah, they get on with each other with any without any kind of depth to it. Whereas this, their friendship, it, it is clear that they still disagree with each other and will still rib each other about the disagreement uh, disagreements they have. Yeah, it feels a lot more like a genuine friendship between the yeah. two. There's an investment, shall we say. Yeah. Like, we mock our friend because he collects Eldar. Yeah. Mistake. It's like pointy-headed perverts. <laughs> Simple as. With sex toy weaponry. Exactly it. All right, so then the Great Crusade happens, and Fulgrim goes out, and he does work. He starts kicking the dicks off of everything, because if Fulgrim's going to kick your dick off, you're not going to stop him. And then he bumps into, what was the world called? Is it Larian? Yeah, it's Larian. Or Larian. Okay, so... He, a thousand plans. <laughs> this, Think uh, of that compensation. Compensation. The Great Crusade, how much compensation would that rack up? Oh, God, could you imagine I'm just trying to pay off that compensation? Anyway, this planet, it's a water planet with a serpentine species called the Lair. It's L-A-E-R. I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce it. It's difficult. And they worship Slanesh on this planet. And it's it's an absurdly like a resource-rich world, so it, it's stupidly valuable to the Crusade and the Emperor. So Fulgrim, Fulgrim's like, you know, we have to get this. And he demands that they get... It's like within a month. He says, yeah, we'll wipe out the entire... Uh, all the natives within one month. Because Fulgrim gets shit done. Gets shit done. <laughs> he gets shit done. I imagine he did. Perfectly formed stools. The most magnificent the Emperor had ever seen. He adopted him perfect. straight into the crusade. Only maybe Sanguinus's pools were more perfectly formed. <laughs> Suck in Sanguinus. Born with wings, born with the shit of a pigeon. Fuck out of here. It's not a human turd. Now. So they go in, they wreck house. But as said, they were, de they were worshipping Slanesh. 
And there's a huge fuck-off temple dedicated to Slaanesh somewhere on the planet. Which, which is a cool imagery as fuck. It is cruel imagery. I think it's also underwater, this like uh, this section. Yeah. And Fulgrim doesn't recognise this for what it is, because he has the very pragmatic view of there are no gods, it's the imperial truth. You know. No gods, no masters, that kind of thing. There's only the physical. And in the middle of the temple, there's a rather large, beautiful sword. Which was the vessel for a greater demon of Sanesh. So it was a demon weapon. Oh, yeah. This is awesome, but it goes shit later. I have to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so he then takes this sword, and the demon begins whispering into his mind and starts, you know, sort of laying a subconscious, like, ooh, doubts about the place, which is interesting and all, except you could just have this occur naturally from this kind of character. Yeah. And, you know, it. It, this is a sticking point for me as well. Mm. Surprise, surprise. Because I think it would have been far more awesome if maybe just one Primarch, not all of them, but let's, let's use Fulgrim as the example. Yeah, Fulgrim picks up this sword, and wielding this sword, he is far more powerful than he's ever been before. Mm. Right? This is just pretend narrative time. Yep. And he sees... There is true power to be had from the Chaos Gods. Well, he, that, that is kind of the route he goes down. But it's a little bit less subtle oh. and it's a bit more over. It's less and subtle and it gets worse and... as time goes on. But basically, he starts going down this path uh, later on more so. He starts to realize that, you know, ultimate perfection, free of all morality. And he's like, yeah, I can go down this route. Anyway, we then get to the heresy. There's some other shit, I assure you. He 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 kicked more dicks. Dicks went flying. He, he kicks a lot of dicks. Like he's he's a Primarch. All Primarchs are successful. Well, Most not all. I mean, there's <laughs> there's one who wasn't. Um, anyway, so at the heresy, so Eldrad turns up. Who's you know like is he the leader of the Eldar? He's one of the most important farseers. Know that much? Yeah, he's he's like basically the Grand High Space Pope. Yeah. So Grand High Space Pope, who's not actually the Space Pope, because the Tower of the Space Pope, Eldrad turns up, and he tries to warn Fulgrim that, you know, oh, Horus, um, he's being slightly corrupted, and maybe will turn to, in, uh, turn to chaos. And, ah, Fulgrim wasn't happy. <laughs> and they say, oh, partly under the influence of the Demon Blade. It's like, okay, he doesn't need to be under the influence of the Demon Blade. He, cause he, he, he then attacks them, basically. Whereas having an alien race, if you're part of the Imperium, turn up and say your glorious leader is actually evil, I'd say that's ground to murder them. I, I also wouldn't use the term glorious leader. Well, <laughs> say, say, well yeah, it's in, I mean... It's in reference to Horace. It's another thing that gripes me about 40k is that the Imperium is xenophobic as fuck, Right. Yep, that's a fact. And if you have a character interact with an alien species, like did in the Heresy times, it was different. Don't get me wrong; they did parlay with aliens, and they rarely, did really, really, very rarely. It was yeah, mostly no, no, no. It, it was it was mostly by the sword, yeah. mostly by the sword. Um, 
But like, especially at this time in the heresy, the Eldar are nothing to the Imperium. Now, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear people complaining and saying like, oh yeah, but the Eldar had this power. If you had 20 Space Marine Primarchs with 1 million Space Marines crashing down into the, the Elves, the Elder, El Eldar Empire, there's no chance they'd survive. Okay, they'd have to flee to the warp entirely. So anyway, also, I think yeah. it'd, it'd be far more interesting if you had a Xenos Chappie turn up to parlay with a Primarch, and if the Primarch didn't exhibit that xenophobism, or xenophobia, correctly, yep. to me, that would be like a nice, subtle way of showing that he's not entirely in tune with the dogma of the Imperium. But it's always done in like a, I will hear you out, alien man. Because it's too much like fantasy from the 80s. Where like the spectral wizard would just teleport into his enemy's castle and then tell them something. And nobody reacts, nobody shoots him with a crossbow and then he just teleports <laughs> out again. It's like, for fuck's sake. So yeah. I like it that Fulgrim has the balls to attack him. I would just argue it comes too late. Oh, yeah. Like also, the motivation is iffy. Like he should have just let it by himself, but it's all the demon blade may have. And also, it. you shouldn't trust the Eldar. Yeah, they are tricksy, sex toy wielding bastards. Fact. Now. Yeah, and the Eldar are not your your en uh, your ally. Horus yeah. is your ally. Horus Absolutely. is your greatest ally. God damn it! it chaos shouldn't have even come into the equation, as you said. It should have just been you insult Horus. You're a dead man. Yeah. This is a Primarch. You don't speak to a Primarch disrespectfully. He will kill you. Yeah, with no hesitation. Now, as much as the motivation going into this is iffy, Fulgrim redeems himself pretty much immediately by being fucking awesome. A trait which does continue. Yeah. I mean, the writers do their best to make you disappointed with him, but my God, he does work. Oh, he does work. Yeah, so he, he proceeds to just speaking. kick the dicks out of the Eldar, trashing a Wraith Lord, and then an avatar of Cain... Gives no shit. It's fantastic. Doesn't he just grip the? I think avatar he choked it. He chokes it to death. <laughs> yeah, he chokes an avatar of Cain to death. The avatar of the war god of the Eldar. <laughs> Fulgrim just chokes him to death. Yeah. He snuffs out that Eldar bitch. <laughs> and an Eldrad runs the fuck off. But they did. They did kill Fulgrim's elite personal bodyguard. Doesn't fucking matter. He's a Primarch. His his bodyguard are like. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like another sin of the Horus Heresy. It puts way much, way too much emphasis on supporting characters, and like to the point where some writers even make it that the supporting characters are more important than the Primarch. No, the Erebus. Primarch is everything. Erebus, you know. Um, oh God, what's his name? Typhus. You know, even yeah. Typhus. Primarchs should be so far above and beyond the best of the Space Marines. Like, so many of these elite assassins of the fucking Raven Guard, and like, you know, oh yeah, this guy studied under Sigismund and now is the best swordsman in the land. He's fuck all to a Primarch. Yeah. Like, god damn it, that really upsets me, like, when they write Primarchs to be sort of like a Space Marine chapter master. They're not! They're a Primarch! God damn it, there's a reason why they couldn't be killed. <laughs> like, Primark, as just shown, choked out avatar of a literal war god. Yeah. And th this is something I like about Fulgrim, is like the take no shits, yeah. kill shit attitude. Like, nobody is has got anything on Fulgrim, basically. So, 
He then goes to Horace, being like, okay, hang on. What the hell is going on here? This Eldar guy fed me some bullshit. And Horace, because he is the most perfect Primarch and charismatic as fuck, basically explains his case for going against the Emperor and sways Fulgrim to his side. Which he should. There actually are some pretty awesome bits where Fulgrim... uh I'm sorry, Horace, where Horace has like a little speech about anti-Imperia and it's good. Some of it is so good. It's really compelling. It's such a shame, though, that you have, you know, really compelling, thoughtful arguments where they really understand the law. They understand the setting. They understand the emperor. They understand the evil that is the emperor, potentially. You know, it's just all writing it in different light. And then you have other people which is, no, he just loves spikes on his armor and bathing in blood. It's, oh, for fuck's sake. There goes subtlety. They're just cackling and insane. That's all they are. That's all chaos is. Yeah, you have to be insane to be a chaos worshiper. It's like, no, maybe some some of them end up insane. I expect you would if you spent thousands of years within the warp, literal hell, you know. <laughs> that sort of thing has an effect on a man. But, oh, man. Yeah, so the best law is, you know, it really top-notch. And yeah, he sways Fulgrim. And that was, again, one of Horace's great powers, was that he is charismatic, but he is also a leader. Yeah. To the point where he's a leader among Primarchs. People who don't like following orders, he will make them agree with him. It's fantastic. So, yeah. Fulgrim gets sent out to meet with Ferris Manus, um, his bro from earlier, who they swapped, uh, swapped weaponry, and to see if he could lure um, Ferris Manus over to the no, other no, side. No. It, it wasn't so much as luring. Yeah. It was more that Fulgrim was swayed by Horace. But he also liked Ferris Manus. He was ordered and by wanted Horace Ferris Manus on his side. Yeah, he was ordered by Horace to do it, but he also believed he could. He thought, like, you know, he is my friend, etc. I, I can get him to do this, like, you know. Yeah, I believe there's even a bit where it does say that, yeah, Fulgrim wants Ferris Manus to, oh, yeah, you know, like, to come to he, their he side. He does still value him as a friend and does want to join him. And it doesn't go well. Um, I so think if, simply because Fulgrim is pretty bare bones about it, I think Fulgrim just says, look, these are the facts. And I think Ferris Manus has that knee-jerk reaction of... Well, it's... It's Fulgrim kind of being arrogant with the I'm right, so you should see yeah. this without like, explaining it, it well. He wasn't likely to sway Ferris Manus. And Ferris Manus is meant to be really obstinate and difficult oh, yeah, as yeah. well. You know, think think kind of dwarfy, which is cool. He's a good dude. So, <clears throat> it doesn't go well. Uh, violence happens. Um, Ferris destroys the uh, sword that he made for Fulgrim. Fulgrim then decides to try and kill Ferris Manus with the weapon he forged for Ferris Manus, picking up the hammer, uh, but he's unable to, uh, more out of a moral compunction or anything else. So he then leaves the Inner Sanctum. So yeah, it was a case of like he just couldn't bring himself to kill him. He then leaves. His bodyguard then immediately murder all of the Iron Hands, like highest level Terminators, because the Emperor's children don't fuck about. And Damn then they straight. off, they leave. Damn straight. Like, how cool is that? How cool is that? He chooses not to kill him and then just murders the elite bodyguard on the way out. Oh, he doesn't. It, it, his guys. His guys just flat out murder them. Behead the lot of them. Okay, yeah. 
but still just yeah. oh, so cool the imagery the imagery of the bright pinky purple armor perfect swinging <laughs> iron hands two-handed weapons oh it's cool it's so cool yeah. then istvan happens do we have to explain istvan we probably istvan. have to explain istvan istvan a brief summary is yeah. basically uh four four or five loyalist legions are lured into a trap on a planet where there's also five traitor legions and the five traitor legions basically send the four traitor legion uh, four loyalist legions out into the middle of a killing field and then just butcher them they also bombard the shit out of them first oh yeah from like, orbit and then is, does, isn't it the world eaters isn't it angron that says no we make planet fall and wipe them out down there <laughs> yeah the world eaters go in early because angron's insane <laughs> damn angry bombs at the loyalists like a whole bunch of shit it was it was it's basically the beginning of the heresy proper this is the point where it begins um it begins and the emperor's children were there they they butcher a whole bunch of stuff they do some awesome killing stuff but there's also primarchs on this fun then Primarchs, yes. Now, yes. Vulcan is there. This is where Vulcan dies for possibly the first time. <laughs> I, th I think they don't. They turn up as like backup, or because it was um, not all of the not all of them had dropped initially. No, this was still turning up. So There's like a second wave of loyalists. Yeah, who then try and save the the ones on the ground. Yeah, I believe Vulcan is in that second wave. Good old Vulcan. So, with this happening. Ferris Manus turns up. Now, of all the places he could go and try and fight, where do we think Ferris Manus goes to? Jupiter. Uranus! <laughs> it is not Uranus. The answer is <laughs> he goes to the Emperor's children because he wants to try and get revenge uh, and get back Fulgrim. Well, basically try and kill Fulgrim for being a traitorous bastard. And he does. He fucking kills his way through because he's a Primarch. You don't fucking stop a Primarch when he's on a roll. And so then they fight. And it's awesome. Plenty of things happen. The slashing, the swinging, the murdering. The people being both awfully, awfully wounded. And then Fulgrim wins. Because it's Fulgrim. It should also be pointed out that he is using the demon weapon. He is using the demon weapon. And so... <clears throat> he's also, he's also recognisably different in of himself. A little bit, a little bit. He has changed. Yeah. He's not the Fulgrim he once was. He's a little bit different, a little bit off, something strange about him. Well, and this this is the point where though it gets bad. So Ferris Manus basically he's uh he's falls to his knees. Fulgrim takes out the demon weapon, gets ready to kill him, and then found out that uh he he realized what he'd become. And so he realizes, oh no, like it's uh he's been trapped by this weapon, he's made a huge mistake taking the sword, etc. Like he's he's now essentially a monster. And then he kills him. Ferris Manus. He, he then kills Ferris Manus. <laughs> yeah. Not himself. No, not himself. He then kills Ferris Manus. And it's very much implied that the blade is the thing which does this. Okay. Let me stop you there. Yeah. I am one hundred Minus 5%, 95% sure mm. that that is overwritten lore. 
because I'm pretty darn certain the old, old law for Fulgrim killing Ferris Manus mm. was literally they dueled and Fulgrim was just superior the whole yeah. way through the duel. And then when he had the opportunity, there was no hesitation. He struck and he beheaded him. Yeah. And that is and more... Then, and then after he beheaded him, after he beheaded him, he then thought back on himself and was thinking, what have I done to my own brother, my own friend? I have just killed him. For what? What is it? You know, what, what are we doing? And that's far more interesting. It is absolutely no, far more interesting. It was the demon. No, no, the demon is clutching his heart. In the event of this obsessive perfectionist being in this fight... He wants to win. Yeah. It is he, written in his DNA that he has to win. Yep. And that the, is, <laughs> that's why he's you know, straight the stripping for later. all this obsession for the perfection is to win. And so he will damn well do it reflexively without even thinking about it. At which point he then has to deal with the guilt and the consequences of his actions, which adds even more depth to the character. And further, like when it comes to like other things later on where he'll make worse mistakes or go down the path of chaos, it better suits him. But it makes for more interesting writing rather than, oh no, he he didn't want to, but a demon did it. And it, it's far better that he exhibits the um, kind of the emotions that are linked to Slanesh. It's far better that he is very prideful. Yeah. And then the whispers of Slanesh come in. Mm. The temptation, once his own ego has been inflated, you know, to the nth degree, um, instead of like this demon whispering at him. I don't know. It just it always feels weak-minded, and I know that the guiles of, uh, you know, the chaos gods are meant to be the ultra ultimate temptresses, with Slanesh being the ultimate ultimate yep. temptress. Um, but it just it still feels kind of weak-minded. Whereas it's far more awesome where they're, you know, because also this, they appeal they actually... appeal to the characteristics that they already have. As yeah. opposed to they invent characteristics for them because they're already being influenced. Yeah, like that's the thing. There's all the necessary ingredients for Fulgrim to go to chaos, almost of his own volition. Yes, with temptation, but it's more interesting when they're responsible for that, rather than. And it wasn't even Zelnesh. It was a greater demon in a sword. <sighs> yeah, and then suddenly the greater demon becomes like a co. Oh no, it, lead it then in the story it basically takes control. He's basically possessed by this greater demon. And people start to... Some people who know Fulgrim well start to notice this, primarily when he took on a Warhound Titan by himself. Um, fun fact, Fulgrim took on a Warhound Titan! Yeah, still only counts as one. Yeah. He was, sort of, he was using psychic powers on it, which made people go, psychic powers? Where's that coming from? As is, though, motherfucker could take it without... Yeah, I think the psychic powers definitely were an add-on as well. Yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe it isn't an add-on. Maybe I just skipped the psychic powers bit because I my brain just hurt reading it. <laughs> I just went, nope, that doesn't exist. <laughs> he hasn't got psychic powers yet, you know. It was far more awesome that he just took it on with a sword or his fists and brought it down. As he probably could. As he probably could, yeah. As Primark should be able to. And eventually, uh, he basically... Is not that dangerous if you're uh, his feet... You know, it's not it's not that amazing, if that makes sense. It's not like they're saying that he took on the Emperor or, you know, he took on, I don't know, one of these, like, bio-monstrosities that's the size of a planet. 
yeah, that emits a gas which kills anyone that touches it. You know, it's not like that. It's a Warhammer Titan. Like, if you're between its legs, you know, so long as you're quick, <laughs> I'm sure it, you'll be alright. It wasn't right. a proper Warhound Titan. It was like a Warhound equivalent Titan. I mean, yeah. I think it may have been a Warhound because he was thinking he was fighting the Edge of Warhounders, maybe. But anyway, yeah. So Fulgrim is now exhibiting um, the traits of Slaanesh because his sword is corrupting him. Because it, it's possessed him. Oh, because it's that's, possessing that's, him. That's what this writer decided to do. They decided to go, yeah, he was just possessed by the sword. Which again, now means that we've lost Fulgrim, we've just gained a vessel for a sword. Yeah. Like, suddenly we don't have a Primarch, we have the body of a Primarch with a demon in it. Which, okay, that sounds awesome. Not gonna lie. But we've oh. lost Fulgrim. Yeah. And Fulgrim is an absolute madman. He's so awesome. <laughs> I would rather have Fulgrim than any demon. Yeah, he eventually gets rid of it. Um, sort of overthrows it, etc. And continues off down the path of Slaanesh. Like, he's learnt a bit, basically, while being possessed by this thing. Yeah, I think that's, he's learned a bit of psychic powers from there, and he's learned to do this at the other, learned a bit more about Slaanesh. But he overpowers it. It's like, okay, he, he should never been overpowered in the first place, but cool, whatever. Bunch of other things happen, but these, these were the main events. He then becomes a demon prince. Because... A demon? Because naturally... Because why not? Why yeah, not? Like, like you've just been possessed. Now's the time. Well, there, there, some other things happened. There, there was a fair bit more. Now is the time. <laughs> okay. And now again, I'm pretty sure Old Law, like before he had all the books dedicated to him, like going back, way back, um, pretty darn sure. Again, he just had the traits of Slaanesh and kind of slipped further and further to Slaanesh because Slaanesh appealed to his characteristics, you know, yeah. and all the, you know, becoming more perfect, becoming faster reflexes, perfect swings, you know, accuracy with your sword, gun, whatever, you know, deftly running through the battlefield, leaping off of terrain, moving faster than anyone else. You know, Slaanesh would give you that power. Yeah. And willingly. Yeah. He's not a jealous god. It but he is sometimes, some days. But um, <laughs> yeah. so and that... then and then Fulgrim willingly became a chaos demon prince once he had fallen fully, which took a long time because he didn't immediately become a chaos demon prince after the heresy. There was a while where he was still Fulgrim, you know, in in biology, physiology, and then he fully swore himself to Slaanesh in order to gain oh, more I, power. I think that may have been changed recently. I think that towards the end of the heresy, he gets turned into it like I, yeah. i'm less yeah, it's, it's, more it's different stuff now Fulgrim, but no i mean no no primarch should have been a demon prince in my opinion during the heresy because otherwise horace would have been a demon prince yeah and i don't want that it's far more interesting when he's just a man powered by chaos as is that's that's like the key events of fulgrim's life right there and there's a lot of bad shit in between. Yeah, there's a lot of like really just dumb, stupid really shit in between because they have no idea how to handle the character. Like stuff where he gets deliberately stabbed and stuff because it's so pleasurable to him. It's like that's come on, guys, come on, grow up, grow. Basically, up. it's what happens if you have read the old law, watched Hellraiser a couple of times, and go, I guess they all get turned on by being hurt. It's like that's. That's what it is. 
Well, the demo room, that, that's definitely parts of Slanesh, but also like... It shouldn't be saying, the main factor. It shouldn't be the main factor. Martial also, it's prowess when they completely forget the other factors, when they forget about the perfectionism and the obsession and the drive to be better, faster, sexier, all that sort of stuff, and they just go, uh, I don't really understand that, so I yeah. guess they like getting and, hurt. And the whole tortured delusion of Slanesh as well. Yeah. You know, that's that's so much more awesome. So much more awesome than just then nymphomaniac sex men. <laughs> right, okay. Sure. Ugh. Like, it's just it it upsets me. Anyway. One thing you skipped out. Yeah. Which is possibly the most important oh. event and why I rate <laughs> Fulgrim as my favorite Primarch <laughs> as well. As making him the third most important man in the Imperium is because he did the greatest act in the heresy. Forget, forget the Emperor. Forget the Emperor's noble sacrifice. Forget Sanguinus's noble sacrifice. Forget Rogel Dawn fighting through Horace's best elite bodyguard in the final fight for terror. Forget all that. Forget all of it. Because there is one name which strikes fear into every good law enthusiast's heart. Gilliman. Yeah. Fulgrim took on Gilliman. The man with plot armor so thick, not even another Primarch could penetrate it. Only one lifted high while GW's back was turned. <laughs> Seriously, somebody fucking dropped the ball at GW because Fulgrim <laughs> swings like a pro golfer. And he puts him down. He put him into motherfucking stasis. Reboot Gilliman. The most perfect man with the most perfect haircut, with the biggest legion, with the greatest tactics other than Horace. Fuck you, Reboot. He took on Fulgrim in single combat. And he got fucked. He got fucked as a result of it because Reboot Gilman is not the best fighter. Yeah. And some writer out there understood that. <laughs> some writer out there was struck by inspiration with the agility to dodge GW. And put Reboot in stasis. He put Reboot Gilliman in stasis so hard that Games Workshop had to invent a brand new Eldar god that hadn't been eaten by Slanesh and make the Eldar go against everything they ever ever have done. And create (laughs) Belisarius Ex Machina Call. Yeah, to bring back Roboat Girly Man. Because With he got magical st- armor and the dust of bullshit so thick you can't walk through it. That's how hard he put him into stasis. God damn it, my love Fulgrim. God damn it. And now, why is that so important? I'll tell you why that's so important. Because Reboot Gilliman was trying to found the second Imperium. Cool. And he would have succeeded. Imperium Secundus. Imperium Secundus. And this is before the Emperor's in the Golden Throne. Reboot Gilliman's already planning his exodus, his next move. He's positioning himself 
as I believe it's like the commissioner or something, with Sanguinus being the official oh, yeah. head of Imperium. He basically Suspenders. saw that the heresy was going south and went, you know what? I'm going to start Cut a and second run, baby. Imperium. Cut Sanguinus and run. will be the new emperor. And he had, because the, the writers have such a massive hard-on for the Ultramarines, the Ultramarines had numbers within their legion five times the size of any other legion. Sons of Horus, 120-odd thousand. Rabu Gilliman and his ass menagerie, half a million space marines under his command. And he didn't save the Emperor. The Ultramarines didn't make it in time to save the Emperor because they were far too far away from Holy Terror when the final crusade was happening. When the battle was being waged, Rabu Gilliman was elsewhere. Because they're bitches. Now, the Emperor makes the ultimate sacrifice. He destroys Horus. Mm-hmm. Chaos legions are in chaos. And on their retreat to the Eye of Terror, it's not a full retreat. It's a fighting retreat. It's a destructive retreat. And Rabukian has turned up now. Now that the major fight is over, he's here. <laughs> he's like that kid with a big friend, you know, giving it all the bluster. But when the big friend isn't there, there's no bluster. Yeah. But now the war, the war is won. Yeah, you guys, get back in that eye of terror, you bitches. What was that? Nothing. Uh... As, as I say every time, God, Raboot Gilliman's mo the most perfect strategist. If only he was around during the heresy, then the Emperor would have died. Oh, wait, he was there. He did fuck if, all. If only he was capable of comprehending the heresy. Which other Primarchs had saw, seen coming, for fuck's yeah. sake. <laughs> anyway, Roboat Girly Man. The twat in blue is chasing, hounding the chaos. And Fulgrim gets him. And why is this so important? Because Rabu Gilman, I can't remember if it's yeah, it's it's after he's done the Codex of Startes. It's yeah. after the the fact that he's proposed that they break up the legions and all the chapters spread out. But all of the legion, uh, the chapters that come from the Ultramarines have Rabu Gilman as their liege. He is, you know, the sire of their lineage. And as we know, Space Marines, that's a massive deal, and they would still fight for him. So Rabu Gilman would have half a million Space Marines, half the current amount of Space Marines at his command. There is no chance that Chaos would have made any headway whatsoever it same. would have been a golden age for man that's the same with pretty much every other xenos race you think the eldar would have lasted this long they'd have been flashed yeah, the tower would have been crushed years ago no no reboot gilliman would have been such a great tactician and philosopher that he would have just wooed the tower over oh no he, he still hates the xenos let's be fair Unless the Eldar is uh, resurrecting him. No, he doesn't hate the Xenos because he's so perfect. Oh, for fuck. Fuck, man. fuck, Reboot. Anyway, so yeah, if Fulgrim hadn't put him in stasis, there would be no Grimdark. There'd be no 40k. And I'm sure the Ultramarine fans are weeping from their penises at the sight of Reboot Gilliman, but the rest of us aren't. The rest of us are tired of this Mary Sue character, and Fulgrim stopped him. Now, let's talk speculation. 
let's talk about the canon that we talked about when we were kind of discussing like alan and i we love 40k and we definitely pick and choose what we want to read right mainly because at this point the law is so contradictory it's kind There's of hard a, there... to find exact truths so you can kind of pick and choose a lot of it yeah and the characters themselves are so incongruent between yeah. one story to the other. It's like one minute they're a sort of stoic and quiet character, next minute berserker yelling the the names of his enemies. You know, yeah. it, it's very strange because you have different writers handling it, different people with different attitudes. So you have to kind of pick and choose. And our version of Fulgrim is the prideful, falls to chaos because of the flaws in his character, but also because he's sort of willingly seduced. It, because he wants what Slanesh offers. Yeah. It's a marriage made in heaven. And Fulgrim accepts the power. Now, one of the things we talked about is that Fulgrim is coming back. Fucking right he is. We don't know when. Could be announced tomorrow. I doubt that. I, I doubt it too. The, the, the announcements for tomorrow we'll discuss later in the news section, so hang around. But they've done Death Guard. They've done Thousand Sons. Now, that leaves the World Eaters and the Emperor's Children as the two traitor legions with Primarchs, also affiliated with the Chaos Gods, which need to get their shit, get their models out. And a lot of the rumor mill stuff has shown off very Slaneshi looking things. I know that we're getting Slanesh demons coming soon. We know that from the Wrath and Rapture box. So it seems to make... Uh, we're also getting World Eater stuff from that box as well, admittedly. But the general consensus seems to be the Empress Children are coming up next. And if that happens, it means Fulgrim's coming back. And don't forget in the actual rulebook it said that Lucius is being escorted by a serpentine monster. Oh yeah, there's a horrifying snake creature somewhere on the outer edges which is just annihilating things. And for a very long time, Fulgrim... The speculation was that his demon form was serpentine. Yeah. So that's that's hot. The waters are getting hotter. Now, what we want, and guys, we, we just want to say at this point, we're probably going to lose a lot of you. A lot of you guys will be like, ah, I don't really like what they're saying because it's a little fanboy. But bear with, bear with. This is kind of like a dream scenario. We think Fulgrim should return. We yeah, think Fulgrim should return in a big way. And one of the key elements of Fulgrim returning should be that there's an, a slight doubt in Raboot Gilliman's mind. He's afraid to fight Fulgrim because he's now. afraid of stasis. Because up till now, whenever he's faced a demon Primarch, all two of them, he just hasn't given a shit. He's just summoned all of his strength and been the perfect, most heroic man ever and bested them. Yeah, like, he doesn't even break a sweat. Like, he breaks a few bones, but he doesn't break a sweat. Like, he's yeah. not even bothered. And then, hang on a minute, he breaks his bones, and then he lifts up hundreds of thousands of tons of spacecraft. It's like, which bones did he break then? The ones in his ears? All of them, and yet he summoned his strength to deal with it. In which case, he's got nothing to worry about. In fact, I don't think he needs bones. <laughs> Fucking dick. But and, and when we say that, we don't want it to be like Raboot Gilliam is like cowering behind a chair. Is he gone now? Is he gone now? Oh, yeah. But it should be just like subtle hints 
in people interacting with Reboot, like, okay, this Fulgrim guy, this Primark, it's becoming an issue. We have to create a solution. And Reboot is just really kind of reluctant to give them any, because the real solution is that he himself goes out and fights Fulgrim. Because no one else can do it in the Imperium. Like, I think it'd be cool if they sent, like, a couple of Vindigar assassins kill Fulgrim, and it's just like, yeah, it's fucking, it's useless. It's full those guys are, yeah, those guys are strung up from their ankles by now. Um, completely flayed. And so, it, it'd be cool because Rabu Gilliman is so perfect and so this and so that, and the best fighter ever, he has to acknowledge that Fulgrim is better, and Fulgrim yeah. has beaten him. <laughs> and just beat him. He put him in motherfucking stasis. He put stasis. him in fucking stasis. And it'd be cool if Fulgrim kind of realizes that Reboot is, you know, reticent to engage him. Also, this should be the point where Reboot loses a battle. I know that he's the bestest tacticianist ever who ever did anything. Therefore, he's won every battle he's been in, basically, other than when he got ambushed <laughs> by Magnus. He just doesn't participate in the big ones, all right? No, he won the battle with Magnus Helm. No, no, he won he, that battle. He got ambushed and put into a pocket dimension, and then then he. Yeah, but he just got back. Yes, he got back. He just and fucking won got back. That's a yes. win in my book. Oh, no, that... Pocket dimension. That could be anything. He just gets back from it. Yes. Hang yeah. about. Yeah. The webway is somehow in this pocket dimension. Do you not know how pocket dimensions work? Like Magnus created it. What the fuck? <laughs> I wish there were the webway in here. Also, look. If the, the Mag- can, if the other can get pocket dimensions, why the fuck aren't they living there rather than forty k? Why don't just create a utopian society of huge, immense pocket dimensions? Infinite pocket dimensions that no one would ever find you in. Anyway, it raises further questions. The second they introduced pocket dimensions, they fucked the law even further, which was impressive because they they were shuffling it in this book. Anyway, this should be the point where he loses a battle and the crusade stops going as well as it was. See, I don't think that Reboot actually needs to lose to Fulcrum. I don't think that needs to happen. I think it's far more interesting that Grim is on his way mm. and Reboot simply refuses to go out to stop him. Yeah. And that'll come into our next Lord Discussion video, where, video, uh, podcast even, um, because there's a cool thing that we got there. There's like cool stuff we want to talk about with the Imperium, our, our speculation, our fan fiction, if you will. But Fulgrim is coming back and Reboot should just be elsewhere. And I think what would be far better is that it's made clear that Reboot cannot protect the Imperium. He has to pick and choose what he can protect, because with so many demon Primarchs going everywhere, like, eventually one's going to slip through the net, eventually. <laughs> what? He's going to miss one demon Primarch. You know, unless we get to, like, eight demon Primi, and he, he's still blocking them everywhere, like, whoop, whoop, whoop. In which case, we'll just give up. We'll just give up the, the grim dark. you know, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, Reboot has it covered. And the next thing that I want to say about Fulgrim is the major tilting part. So if anyone out there is easily upset, is if anyone has a heart condition or, you know, even a strange disposition to hearing stuff about Fulgrim, you probably haven't made it this far if you have that. But Where are we going with this? Fulgrim should be the one to kill the Emperor. That's a bold claim. That's a, a bold very claim. bold claim. Do you know why? You're gonna have to explain because a lot around this point. If we right look now. at the if we look at the track record, 
Who is the most successful Primark in Primark versus Primark fights? Quickly to clarify, they, they are very much seeming to phase out the Emperor right now. He's becoming less and less relevant. He's being mentioned less and less. It's, it's basically Bobby G against the world. So the Emperor, at this point, could be killed. He's just not really important enough to the law anymore, which upsets us. We're, we're not here going, oh, wouldn't it be great if the Emperor died? No, I prefer if the Emperor was still fucking important. It wasn't Robert Gilliman who was the only one who was mentioned. Yeah. And I think the, and you know, especially because they had that interaction where Bobby G goes and stands in front of the Emperor, and then they have a conversation with their minds. It's like, oh my God, that hurts. That really hurts. Why have you done that? There is no way that the Emperor should be communicating with anyone. Because if like, he could, the Imperium of Man would be way fucking different. Now, I understand the fact that he has spoken to a couple of other people, including a sister of battle. I'm just saying you shouldn't have spoken to them either. I think it's so much better that the Emperor works in mysterious ways. Yeah. Like, we have no idea of what really the Emperor is. We have no idea what his limitations are. No idea whether he's dead. It's far more far that way. Because if you just say he is the solution, well, all right, do we have a problem then? No, because we have the Emperor. <laughs> and now, hold on. Now, why should Fulgrim be the one to kill the Emperor? If the Emperor were to die. If the Emperor were to die, if someone's going to get him, like, I would hate the idea of Reboot sitting on the Golden Throne in terms of, like, ascendancy, in terms of, you know, what's it called in Game of Thrones? What's the Iron Throne? Yeah. Yeah, like, Reboot sitting in the, the, the seat of the Emperor. Why should it be Fulgrim? Okay, number one, Fulgrim is the most successful Primarch in dueling other Primarchs. So yeah. what can we take away from that? Uh, he is among the best fighters yeah. of the primarchs second he is obsessed with perfection and in many ways he is the closest to achieving perfection because he strives for it and something that happened within the emperor's children legion um during the well slightly before the heresy is that they had fighters lodges these were massive in the kind of chaos traitor legions and even some of the loyalist ones it was something that horace set up and the emperor's children would just fight constantly and perfect themselves against each other and within the warp um I, the emperor's children are still pretty together aren't they similar oh, to they, the they, they death guard sort of i don't know they, they splinter up a bit and go their own way because you know they are still extremely hedonistic but they are still also obsessed with honing their skills as much as they may be doing their own thing they are still being fucking awesome in combat they're still practicing that shit they're still getting better Remember, these are people who've... Some of them have been alive since the heresy. They've had 10,000 years, maybe war, maybe more, because the warp is weird, of practicing and training and getting better. And the other thing is, is that Sarneshi people really only feel any sensation whatsoever in the thrum of battle. When, they, when they've hit, been, you know, Sarnesh worshipper for some time and they get tired of everything else. Yeah, I mean, you know, excess really is a... a law of diminishing returns area oh yeah it, it makes it very clear that over time they become slowly more and more empty nothing can really make them happy anymore nothing really satisfies them so it's eventually just the noise of battle and the screams of people dying and in a way that kind of makes them a little bit like spartans or vikings <laughs> right in the sense that they are looking for the greatest battles yeah because they're truly the most you know loud the sound Sensory. of a titan decimating a city compared yeah. to 
pure orgasm compared to a couple of guys fighting with knives, you know, whatever. Um, So terror, terror would be the ultimate battle. And I'm not saying that Fulgrim takes it on by himself. No, 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 no. There should be someone else here. Abaddon. Abaddon should be doing something, right? Because at the minute he's relegated to being a sissy pants who's rubbish. And because there are the Primarchs in play, and Abaddon was shit before the Primarchs even turned up, he's got no fucking chance. So he should assist Fulgrim (laughs) in the Assault on Terror, the full Black Crusade. He should reunite the Chaos Warbands, the ones that have gone everywhere. He should forge a new Crusade and head straight for Terror. There's no way any of the Chaos Primarchs would bow to Abaddon, I'm sorry. It's just, it's not happening. Abaddon trying to speak to, uh, let's say, oh, I don't know, Magnus. Oh, Ankron. Ankron. Oh, yeah. Hey, Ankron, do what I say. Smash with axe. Well, that went about as well as expected. I think, I think Magnus is the one who he has the best chance with. And Magnus yeah. rewrites reality. Why would he listen to this failure? Yeah. I mean, the only thing you can say is, like, the fear of the gods. But I really don't think the gods should be involved at the level they're like, no, no, listen to this guy. This guy's my guy. Yeah. It's like, what? The, the Primarchs are just the end game. They are the end game. And the... Previous law was always that the um, Chaos wanted the Primarchs because they saw that as a means of winning the war yeah. of reality versus Chaos. And anyway, so Fulgrim should be assisted by Abaddon. Now just imagine the imagery of this colossal, that, immense, impossible... What? Continue. What are you saying? Continue. Hello? I said continue. All right, um... All right, big big stairway. Yeah. Um, and just imagine the custodies, personal protectors of the emperor. And don't forget, the custodies have gone everywhere. This is the time for the emperor to die. Yeah, the custodies got Because the custodies out. aren't protecting him. Um, so there's minimal amounts of custodies. But imagine just the, the handful of custodies that are there, centuries-old guardians, strangely inhuman warriors, even for space marines, versus this colossal serpentine creature sliding up the stairs, slashing, hacking, decimating, decapitating, mutilating everything that gets in his way. Also, And then the gates before the Emperor, or, or the horrific form of Fulgrim. You have to remember, he's scary quick. This is he's scary quick and he's a monster, yeah. like truly horrific. And it would be so cool for the for Fulgrim to destroy the Emperor, if at the, the very least the body, destroyed. like the the skull, the the body, whatever. Yeah, Fulgrim would be the guy to do it. And I know a lot of people are in disagreement. A lot of people wouldn't like that outcome. But we personally think that would be Which fucking Which is why cool. I keep clarifying, in the event of... The, if they were going to write the Emperor out of the law. If they were going to. Yeah. This is how it yeah. should be done. As is. With that, ruminations on Fulgrim done. News? I guess? News team! Assemble! Alright, so we've got one big bit of news right now. Something big is coming to Vigilus. This is what they're setting up for this weekend. They're, there's meant to be reveals coming. And they're saying, oh, Vigilus is like a small thing which was near the Cadian, well, near where the Cadian Gate used to be. And 
it's a lot of warfare's going on. There's green skins, and they go like, oh yeah, there's the uh, the speed freaks have turned up, gene stealer cults have turned up, uh, ultramarines have turned up, as they and... would. Sorry again, as they would. Yep, the space wolves have turned up, uh, ultramarines have turned up. We have the elder have turned up, and they say, oh, there's some, there's, there's more to come. As is, they also then make, they mention that there's Comorites and Chaos Cultists. There's basically all the factions here. But. Yeah. With this, if their planning reveals it's one of two things. Now, I believe the more likely one is the Gene Stealers. Because Gene Stealer Cults is next, book wise. Um, but also. I don't know, it just it feels more likely to me. Because it, it seems like they'll want to finish off their factions before introducing new ones or anything. But there's a teeny tiny small chance this is chaos. Which... It would be far more befitting that it was chaos because this is going to be an epic jamboree. Like, and if it is just Genes to the Cult, it's like, eh, it's not really a jamboree. Like, I don't see the Ultramans getting involved in Genes to the Cult, so I think I'm placing my bets on chaos. Well, because they show off the boxes. There's like, um, oh, they're showing off like, you know, the, the Speed Freaks box a bit. They show off the Space Wolves versus uh, Gene Steelers box. The uh, Ultramarines versus Eldar box. Not those boxes specifically, but basically a picture with all of those models in it. And, okay, like a couple of weeks ago, I think I mentioned that people were, rumor- were suggesting, oh, there's going to be a big Chaos release. And I laughed at the time. Uh, I'm hoping I'm wrong. I'd fucking love this. To be chaos, I'd be ungodly happy if there's this is a new like reveal of chaos stuff. If it is going to be chaos, it's probably going to be um, akin to more uh, replacing the outdated kits rather than the Emperor's children. Yeah, I think it's far more likely that it would be vanilla chaos. Yeah, as we saw in um, Black Legion, uh, Blackstone Fortress. Do we see that in Blackstone? Fortress? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Sorry, yeah. yeah. We saw the new chaos back on board. Yeah. So my bet is it's chaos. Uh, but however, I mean, GW marketing team is all over the place at the minute. Like October was a fail. So, <laughs> uh, actually, hang on. What if it's like, what if the other reveals is the Battle Force boxes? What are if they that's not, the reveal? Are they not fully out yet? They haven't fully revealed them. They've been leaked all over the place. Oh, well, in which case that's probably it then. Yeah, that's probably going to be. We're going to get fucking, oh, God damn it. Damn it, just... Like fire out the new chaos already. I'm, I think. Well, I put my money on that Angron will turn up before Grim as well. I feel that's like Angron more like what? Sorry, before full Grim. I, I don't know. We, a lot of the rumor engine stuff has been primarily Selineshi looking, which excites me because um, it's Selineshi. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas I know that we have both Wrath and Rapture is going to be uh, chaos, uh, both um, Corn and Selinesh. It's just, uh, we've seen more Slanesh stuff get teased, so I'm inclined to believe Slanesh will be first. That may just be wishful thinking. I think that's wishful thinking. I think at the minute we've seen Wrath and Wrath versus Slanesh, so we're, like, we're equal on the table. Yeah. And Corn um, is more popular. And Corn is more popular, but they have left him for this long. Like, it would make sense to leave him till last if they didn't do it first. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, in other news, House Delac, or Delacue, 
as some people say. Yes. They're not out yet. They're not out yet. They are they, coming. Aren't they teasing them? Haven't they shown they've shown off the models, haven't they? Yeah, they they normally do it about a month and a bit before. Yeah. Which again is strange because I always forget that it's been released because they do it so far in advance. It's like, oh look, that's coming. When? Ah. Yeah. Oh. Like you know when they do like the teasers as well, they show you like a super close up of an image. Yeah. I always forget that that image came, like, you know, because it's so far back. Anyway, uh, cute. they're not out yet. They're not released. Uh, I think the models are cool, but it definitely needs a different paint job, I think. Paint job is just weird at the minute. They're kind of like brown coats with very white skin, which is correct. That's what they are. I reckon they can make it work. Like, yeah, like um, Cordor. The initial Cordor... Uh, paint schemes that they showed off looked terrible yeah really terrible but then for the box and for the website like if you look now they've got like this beautiful blue paint job and looks so much better so much better than the originals like the originals i was instantly put off by the models saw the blue ones i thought i'm having that um so delicue on their way gang war 4 uh is also coming the, uh, but i'm getting the, like full compendium soon Oh, sorry, Gang War 4 is already out. Yeah. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. That's the Cordor one. They said that there's not going to be a Gang War 5 because there's going to be no Delicue. Uh, Delicue are going to get their rules released, they said, uh, before Delicue come out. Or Delank. The D-Boys. The D-Boys, which makes me concerned simply because how far back are the books then if you have to pre-release the rules? I, I don't know. The Necromunda like releases have been weird. Like, we have the Sump Croc out on Forge World, but none of the others. Hell yeah. Currently, um, my chaps, Escher, no, not Escher, the, um, the other ones. The other ones. Oh, fuck. Vansar. Vansar. I think Vansars aren't actually on the website right now. If I go to uh, really? Necromunda, I... There's Cordor. There's no Vansars. No, they're on here. I googled it. They're on. Oh, they're There's no showing. Vansar Dyson. Anyway. Anyway. Getting distracted. So the Compendium's coming, but we don't quite know when. Yep. Uh, hopefully this isn't the end of the releases for Necromunda. They also recently put up, uh, I believe it was earlier this week, uh, they put up like a strange character sheet card for um, characters in Necromunda. It's like £15. Oh, Gang Leader's Accessories Pack. That's it. That's the one. It comes with like a few cardboard cutouts as well. Uh, not really sure what's in that. Hopefully that's included in the books. Is there any other news? I don't think so. I think, like... The big news is coming in the next couple of days, which is extremely awkward for us. Well, I mean, if you tune in next week, I'm sure the news will be revealed, and we can tell you what it was after the fact. <laughs>